Empty sidewalks in New York City mean few, if any, customers for street vendors. In fact, most street vendors are staying inside themselves. The idea of lugging out their carts for a few dollars and putting themselves in jeopardy of getting sick provides little incentive. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape. To learn more about the impact the coronavirus outbreak is having on street vendors, I talked with the director of the Street Vendor Project, Mohamed Atia, via Zoom. Mohamed, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Uh, sure, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So how are you doing? Well, I'm doing okay. Uh, still adapting to the new normal, to the new life. Now everyone in our team working remotely, so you can imagine it's really different uh, on the organizational level, but also on my personal level. Like, I'm not comfortable staying home all the time. I like to hit the field. But yeah, we're adapting. For those not familiar with the Street Vendors Project, tell us about the organization. So uh, it's a project which is a part of the Urban Justice Center. We are a member-led organization that work uh, with street vendors and serve them. We organize street vendors to serve as their voice in New York City to improve their working conditions and changing uh, the laws and the policies that are usually anti-street vendors. So what's life like right now for New York City street vendors in the midst of this pandemic? Well, so the life right now is really, really horrible. I can tell you that most of street vendors we know, at least 90% of them have stopped working completely because of uh, the business loss. In the past, I would say three to four weeks, uh, vendors have experienced a lot of losses in their daily sales. And it reached a point, I believe, by mid-March when most of members and most of vendors we know who we talk to over the phone, the experience that they are not making any business at all, uh, not even to cover the daily expenses to be out there in the street, more or less make any profit. But so they are people, allowed to be out there on the streets, though, right? They do qualify as essential workers. That's true. They are allowed by the law even uh, with the governor's executive order and the pause uh, policy, they are allowed, they are, well, they are considered as essential workers and all street vendors, even folks who don't sell essential items who have one worker at the location, they are allowed to be working. So yes, they are allowed to, but I mean, from economic uh, aspect, a lot of people are not making any money. That's why they stopped completely vending. Mohammed, can you share with us some of the personal stories you're hearing from street vendors in New York City, those who are the intrepid ones who are out there on the streets still through this? Yeah, so if I'll circle back, like if I rewind three weeks uh, backwards in the middle of March and uh, like some of our members were still working and out there and we were calling them and ask how the business is, and a number of food cart owners and food truck owners were saying that they are making something around 10 to 20% of what they used to be making in an average day. And we were like really shocked by the numbers and be like, how are you able to survive? And then people would like, okay, we are just out there trying to make anything that's better than nothing. But then it reached a point where people are not even able to cover their daily expenses and that's why they stopped working completely. Stories like someone who operates uh, a hot dog cart in Midtown 
who made in a whole day working like 10 hours shift made about $20 in sales. Wow. So that doesn't really cover any. Yeah. That doesn't cover anything like the driver who would tow the cart back and forth from the garage to the spot is getting paid $50 mm-hmm. regardless what your sales are more or less you're paying for the supplies and any other expenses you have uh, stories like we heard from one of our members who work in Corona Plaza who work in one day in a Saturday for a whole day, like six hours day. And she made $7 in sales. Wow. wow. And the, 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 the main problem and the main issue here is that most street vendors are the, the sole provider for their families. They don't have any other family members who are working or making any income. And that's why when we talk to people, so when business is really bad, why don't you just stay home? They say, we really have to go out because we don't have anything coming. We don't have any other revenues. Yeah, but Mohammed, not only are they not making much money, but they're also putting their health in jeopardy out there on the streets of New York City, right? That's right. And that's another layer. Like even like we know that some people have stopped working because they have some serious health conditions and they said like, we just have to stop working to follow all the precautions that are provided by the health experts. And uh, we, we won't like risk our health of being out every day working. But those people who are out there, most of them don't really want to go out. They really want to stay home. They really want to keep themselves and their family safe, but they are forced to because they don't have any other option or any other resources, especially after a couple of weeks ago when the stimulus package passed and the federal government and it completely ignored undocumented people. Yeah, I want to talk more about that issue, but I'm also curious. I recently read an article that said street vendors were being fined during the coronavirus pandemic for certain violations. Is there truth to that? Well, so I haven't heard of any street vendors who got a ticket regarding social distancing, although we actually believe that street vendors will provide like a good environment to keep the social distancing. I believe it is very easy to buy some fresh produce from a fruit and vegetable vendor in the street and you will keep the six feet apart from everyone around you a lot more than being in any brick and mortar any grocery stores but we haven't really heard of any street vendors got a ticket recently except for one incident that a street vendor got a ticket for an administrative code violation which has nothing to do with the pandemic i would imagine that you would ask the city to please refrain from issuing those types of violations at this time that's right we have issued our demands we had a list of demands by mid-march and eight council members signed on our demands and they uh sent a letter to the administration to the mayor and asking him like for like the basic the very basic need for all street vendors is to have a moratorium on all enforcement especially those violations that has nothing to do with the public safety I understand that some council members are also asking that outstanding tickets issued to vendors since January of 2020 be waived. That's right. That's also a part of our demands and our community's demand. Uh, A lot of vendors are working every day and they got a number of violations uh, since January. And we don't think that anyone is making any income at the moment that would be able to pay any fines. Mohammed, you referenced that there is a lack of a safety net for undocumented immigrants. Are a large number of street vendors in New York City undocumented? I think so. 
I would say at least half of street vendors in New York City would be undocumented. So what kinds of additional challenges are they facing at this time? Well, at the moment, uh, most of it is the lack of resources, the lack of support from all levels of government. When we have seen the small business services department programs, for example, earlier in March, and they were talking about some grants and loans to support small businesses, we have found that all street vendors won't qualify for any of these programs. And it's, I think it's all about the financial support at the moment, besides all the resources that the government share regarding, regarding everything, regarding information about COVID-19, regarding uh, any support or any unemployment benefits that sometimes it's not available in various languages. Yeah, so let's run through some of those demands that you have out there of what more can be done to assist the street vendors. Yeah, well, so there, there is a lot more that can be done. And I believe the first step should be uh, designating programs, relief programs to support undocumented immigrants, to support someone who doesn't have a social security number, and doesn't have immigra- immigration status, or happen to be in a mixed status, in a mixed immigration status family. And that's maybe the priority. That's one of our main priorities. The other main priority is to cancel the rent, to suspend all rent payments. And that's that's what everyone we talk to is super worried about. Even those people who are lucky enough to receive the stimulus check, who will get the $1,200 or whatever from the federal government, they are saying that's not close to anything that be considered enough. That's not close to covering the rent, covering the bill, uh, the bills, covering any other expenses of their life that will hardly support them to just uh, get food on the table. Are street vendors eligible for unemployment benefits at all? So according to uh, the guideline that uh, we have seen and the federal stimulus package, yes, they are as self-employed. And we do know that a number of street vendors have applied already. Everyone we talk to who has a social security number have applied. And we are still waiting to see how they're going to receive the benefit, whether they will actually qualify and receive it or not, because a lot of information is still really vague. And we're still not sure about that. Like, I've talked to a number of uh, members who have applied. And at the very end of the application, they were given a phone number to call. And you, you already know that calling this number is just like you're calling the limbo. Like, nobody ever picks up. Yeah. The line is always busy. So... It's a really, it's a myth for a lot of vendors and people to really have clarity whether they will receive any support from, from unemployment programs or not. More or less talking about other people who don't have social security number who won't even be able to apply in the first place. What about small business loans? If someone wanted to lean on a small business loan to help them get through? Well, it's pretty much the same situation when it comes to uh, the requirements, uh, the criteria that SBS is putting for small businesses. Like uh, for one instance, we really encourage uh, the SBS department to be thinking about sole proprietors who are completely forgotten at this moment. We're talking about small businesses who are owned and operated by one person. And that's the case in most street vendors. We're also talking about folks who don't have immigration status, so they won't have social security number. But they do have sales tax ID, and they do pay sales tax. They do pay business tax every year, and that's that has been a challenge. But when it comes to 
uh, like for instance, commercial rent lease, when it comes to payrolls, when it comes to all other documents that any bigger kind of like small but bigger businesses than street vendors would have, street vendors won't have that. So we really have to think about a way to make plans that's inclusive to everyone. Mohammed, would you say that there's a certain stigma attached to being a street vendor? Uh, well, perhaps, yeah. Perhaps there is. Uh, to some people, they just see street vendors as some people who work in the street and make some money and uh, they don't pay taxes, they don't help the economy. Uh, a lot of stigma, a lot of myth, a lot of, I would say, misinformation out there about street vendors that we have been trying in the past 19 years now as an organization to counter back, to respond, to show the studies that proves how much street vendors contribute to the economy, contribute to everything in every aspect uh, of our lives. But there is a little bit of that. That being said, can you put a face on the street vendor for us? Who do you represent? Well, so that vendor usually is a hardworking person, usually an immigrant or a military veteran, usually uh, working at least 12 hours a day. I know some vendors work a lot more than that. They work super hard. They wake up super early in the morning to serve you the food. And they are really low income uh, people, low income workers, low income small business owners. That's, that's the kind of vendor you are, you are meeting in the street wherever you go. That's the person who serves you every day. Most of them work seven days a week. Most of them don't have any benefits. They don't have health insurance. They don't have any unemployment benefits. They don't have any safety net like any other workers who would have, like any other small business owners who would have. Now, you don't only talk the talk. You walked the walk. You were a street vendor yourself. That's right. I've been, I was a street vendor for nine years, and I started from the very bottom, like when I was working for people all day long, like 12 hours, getting paid $70 a day. That's how I started it back in 2009. Yeah, so and what's your story? You came to New York from Egypt, right? Yep, I came to New York from Egypt back in 2008. Uh, I, I worked in a store for a few months, and then I learned about how to become a vendor and how to get a food vendor license. I got one of those licenses, and then I worked with somebody who has a cart and the night shift, and I was working with that person for a number of months. And then I tried working like I worked in different places for different people till I was able to save some money with my best friend who arrived from Egypt a couple of years after, and we started our small business. We had a smoothie and juice cart. And you also had a chicken cart, am I right? That's right. That came a couple of years after. That was back in 2016, I believe, or 2017. We had a chicken rice cart, halal food cart. So what's the day-to-day -day like? It's not easy, right? Pushing that cart, it's hard work. Well, it, it's a lot of hard work and it's, it's a lot of hard work that sometimes doesn't really pay off. Like you can imagine that I used to wake up every day, four o'clock in the morning with my partner to drive the cart from the commissary all the way to the spot, go pick up the delivery, the fruit and vegetables and bring it back to the cart. I would work on the cart for like 12 hours shift and then take it back to the commissary, clean it and go back home. So that's like a 16 hour shift every single day. That's how my usually the summer day, that's how the usual summer day look for me. Hmm. But street vendors are just so much part of the fabric 
of this city, right? I mean, it's just, I can't even fathom the thought of streets right now without the vendors on them. That's right. And that's all over the city. It's not only in Midtown or Downtown where you see a line of chicken and rice uh, carts or other food carts or trucks. That's everywhere you go in the city, in every neighborhood. You will see the culture of the neighborhood reflects on the streets, on the sidewalks, on the food, on the jewelry, on the accessories, on the products you'll find everywhere. And yeah, like it's a part of the fabric of our streets. You cannot take that off. And it's pretty remarkable how diverse the street food has become over the years, right? That's right. And it's, I mean, it, it makes all the sense for me. It's as diverse as New York City is. You can't name a cuisine. You cannot name a culture that's not reflecting in the street vending scene. So what are you telling your members now who are coming to you for assistance? Where can they go to get the assistance that they need to survive this time? Well, so depending a lot on the person who's coming to us and their situation, like some information is very sensitive to ask about. So for instance, we share with everyone we know the information we have and like being really frankly. So we share with people that if you have social security number, you are qualified for X, Y, and Z. And these are the resources. This is how you apply for them. And we help them sometimes uh, go over the applications because a lot of our members are not fluent dealing with the internet and the online world. Uh, but for others who sometimes express with us, express their situation and say, we are undocumented, we don't have social security numbers. So we explain to them other resources that might support them if they need uh, any resources to reach food, to support uh, like in any other level with their families. And on the other hand, we are trying our best as a relatively small group to support our communities by raising uh, funds for them that will go to the vendors directly, tell our city and state actually figure it out and do something about it. You set up a GoFundMe, right? That's right. We set up a GoFundMe page uh, last week, I would say perhaps about 10 days ago. And we are shooting, our goal is to raise $60,000 to help at least 300 uh, vendors buy $200 check for each of them. And hopefully the more we raise, the more money we will give to people. Mm -hmm. And that $200 could go a very long way, right? For a family struggling. Uh, that's right. I mean, you can, you can think of this $200 to be a really small amount of money on this pandemic. But at this moment, some people don't really have anything left. They really need a dollar at this very moment. So $200 hopefully will get them through the month of just like getting the basic essential needs. How many members do you have, Mohammed? We have about 2,300 members, but several hundred of them are active. And New York City has how many street vendors total, would you say? So we estimate about 10,000 vending businesses, but we estimate also about 20,000 street vendors. Like if we talk about individuals, because you can imagine the difference between a cart and a truck that might has like four or five workers on it, but other smaller shopping cart that has only one person working on it. So that's how we come to this estimate. Now, New York City has a cap on the number of street vendor licenses that it will issue, correct? Yeah, it's a bit tricky. I can explain it briefly. So they have a cap on the number of uh, merchandise license 
and that number is simply 853. So those are the licenses that are required for any vendor to sell any merchandise, which can be anything from t-shirts, hat, gloves, etc. cetera. Uh, also this license, uh, they have another kind of license that's really uh, specific for uh, disabled military veterans. And that license is not capped. There are a bit more than a thousand of them. Now, when we talk about the food, the situation is really different. So uh, for any food vendor, they are required to have a license and a permit. A license for themselves, which is not a problem. Anyone can get, I have one of those. And a permit for the unit they are selling from. And here is the tricky part. It looks a lot like the taxi medallions, right? It doesn't matter how many people have a license. You only have that many yellow caps out there, which is attached to the number of medallions. So that's exactly the same situation with the food vending. There are only 3,000 citywide uh, food vending permits out there. So that's, that's the situation. And a lot of food vendors you see in the street with those cars and trucks, they don't operate with their own permits, including myself back then when I was working. I wasn't operating with my own permit because I couldn't get one. And I had to deal with an underground market where I was paying someone a lot of money, a lot of cash to use their permits and that's how it goes. But also other people cannot afford to deal with this underground market and choose to take the risk and go out every day and sell without permits and that's even a higher risk. Now you're advocating for that cap to be lifted here in the city, right? That's right. It's been roughly six years now. Six years advocating for the same thing, this inequality and injustice to be fixed. I know that some of the opposition comes from brick and mortar stores who fear the competition. How do you answer that concern? Uh, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, a lot of brick and mortar representatives would argue that street vendors unfairly compete with uh, the brick and mortar, which is completely not true. There is no study proves this argument or support it whatsoever. There is nobody have ever experienced some brick and mortar businesses going out of business when street vendors showed up in their neighborhoods. Actually, studies show the opposite and prove the opposite. Studies shows that street vendors bring more, more foot traffic and more business to every neighborhood they go to. Uh, studies have showed that brick and mortar and street vendors tend to work together and not to be competing with one another. You would never find a vendor who would sell exactly the same product as a brick and mortar sell. That never happens. And we have seen many studies, not only in New York City, but across the nation, where we see the vendors and brick and mortar work together to support their communities, to serve their communities, and provide the goods and the services that are missed so they complete each other, not competing against each other. And everything besides that comes back to the myth of not considering street vendors as small businesses. And I believe that's the first step. If the Small Business Services Department, if the administration is really considering the street vendors as small businesses, they should support them exactly the same way they support any other brick and mortar. We have seen brick and mortar going out of business when big corporations open in their neighborhoods. How many supermarkets in New York City went out of business when Target opened up? Many, right? when Whole Food Market, when any other big names, we can name them, the list is so long. So actually, street vendors are not the main threat. The main threat is the real estate greed. The main threat is doubling and tripling the rent once your lease is, is expired. The main threat is the big corporation, not 
the little people, the poor people who sell in the streets. I know that some council members want to create an independent agency to monitor street vendors. How would that change the playing field? Well, it's, it came along with another myth of the lack of enforcement. So a myth out there about street vendors that, oh, street vendors will be everywhere and there is no enforcement. Although street vendors are heavily enforced. And if you, maybe after this pandemic, when there is a good time, if you can visit our office, I'll show you thousands of tickets that we receive every year from our members. So although there is a lot of enforcement, a lot of people in the administration and the city council were talking about creating a special unit that will enforce the street vending laws. And we think it's a good idea. We're not opposing to any more enforcement, but we are opposing to more enforcement without fixing the system. It's like an unfair game. If you want to put more enforcement and more people getting tickets and arresting vendors without fixing the system that street vendors are dealing with. And we believe that a new unit or a new agency would be a lot better than dealing with the NYPD. I know that you yourself go out and you try to inform street vendors of the do's and the don'ts so they don't uh, get violations. What would you say are the primary things that sometimes people are just not aware of that they need to know about so they don't have an infraction? Well, it's, it's really hard to think of something that they didn't know about and not aware of. Like the main issue and the main concern that we hear from many, many vendors is the lack of permits. And that's maybe the main thing. Like every food vendor, especially food vendors who get a food vending license from the health department, they go over a training with the Department of Health. There is a class, a two-day class, where they know the rules and regulations, whether it's health code uh, rules or administrative code, and they are able to follow these rules and regulations. We also do a lot of trainings in our uh, office and we pass out flyers with information about how to abide by the law and how to follow all the rules and regulations and make sure you don't get any tickets. But then when you come to a street vendor who doesn't have a permit and they ask you, how can I get a permit? What would you tell them? That's the main challenge. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing. Like we really don't have anything to say except for we are fighting to change this. We are fighting so you can have a place where you can go and apply for a permit and work legally. Are there any other cities that you think are doing things differently that you think that New York City should follow? Uh, well, interesting. One very great example is LA right now. And LA has a really long history of street vending, which is amazing, super amazing. But the only weird situation with LA that for like till last year, street vending on the sidewalk was a crime. It was criminalized. Vendors were getting arrested and some of them were getting deported after getting arrested for vending in the street. And there has been a very long, successful, wonderful campaign with wonderful groups out there supporting the street vendors community. And they were able at the very end to win back in 2018 when the governor legalized street vending all across the state. So all across California state right now, street vending is legal. And LA is working now on a licensing and permitting system with absolutely no cap. And that's what I believe all cities should do. We shouldn't have any caps on the street vending permits or licenses. We should really help uh, those immigrants who are coming to the cities, uh, trying to survive, trying to create that economic platform for themselves and their families and really pursue their American dream. 
that's what we should be working on. So LA is a wonderful example. And I believe that New York City should look at LA and learn from them. Are you concerned at all, Mohammed, that after this is all over, some street vendors just won't return? They won't be back out on the streets? <sighs> totally, totally. And a lot of people are so worried about the future. Like, people are so worried about this time now during this crisis and dealing with these couple of months. But a lot of people are so worried about the future. How are they going to build up the business again? What's going to happen after? How the situation would look like when everything goes back to normal, would they have the regular customers again or not? So that has been a, a really big concern. But also another concern is being in a really, really big debt. And that's what people are super worried about. And a lot of people who don't have savings now are just using credit cards, are borrowing money from their family. And just the situation is really crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's such a hard time, right? Because there's a lot of talk right now of, support your local restaurants, but you can't support your local street vendor because they're not on the street. So you can't do takeout if they're not there. That's right. It's true. And that's why a lot of people who stopped working are like really struggling. And we are trying our best to find ways uh, to get them involved with any kind of business in any sort or any way. We are trying our best to find resources to help them, but we're still working and we don't have anything concrete at the moment. But if someone wants to support their street vendor, I guess your GoFundMe is still active, right? That's right. It's still active. It's still there. And hopefully once we hit the target, once we reach the 300 vendors we want to reach, we will restart again. And it should be going over and over. Mohammed, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure. Mohammed Atia is the director of the Street Vendor Project. More information about his organization can be found at streetvendor.org. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Bodarki. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks so much for listening.